everybody and welcome to something we've never done before. We've had Grand Prix reviews, but we've never sat down and actually talked about motorsport. This is a venture into the unknown. Welcome to the JB Motorsports Podcast. Now, what you can expect here is before and after every single race we cover on the channel, we can sit down and have a talk about it, what we're looking forward to, and then what we thought about it. It also gives us a chance to sit down and talk with people across this fantastic motorsport paddock and just gives us a show where we can talk about anything, relax, and have a forum-type discussion. Now, this year is going to be very different. We've got more coverage than ever. 15 different series, Formulas 1, 2, 3, then the Porsche Super Cup, Formula 1 Academy. Then we go over and take over MotoGP with the support class of Moto2, Moto3, and the Moto E World championship then the topic of today's show we're covering the abbfaa formula e world championship the quick fit british touring cars and then as always our favorite one of most everything that gave us such a great championship last year the entity indycar series and then a couple of the newbies of course we've got the 24-hour race at le mans but we've also got the 24 hours of rolex daytona ipsa that starts at the end of january we'll be covering that race and brand new this year after so many people asked for it we are covering NASCAR this year alongside USRN. So some races, you'll have the JB Motorsports team. Some races will have the USRN team led by Matthew Owens. Adam will be across all of that as well. And alongside me in the podcast today is Ed Hunter from Formula E Zone. Adam Emmerich, Formula E Grid Network, now very much of JB Motorsports as well. And of course, Omi from PSGL and of course, leading our coverage over here at JB Motorsports as well. Good afternoon to you all. Uh, uh, it's getting ready, and Ed, I'll start with you. Doesn't seem five minutes since London. You were there trackside. We're going again. Testing was fun, but uh, first of all, how was your Christmas? Uh, good, thank I don't know what time zone you're in, Josh, but it's the evening where I am. That's true, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I had a very, very good Christmas. I actually got a Formula E notebook. Oh, hold on. It's over here. There it is. Right, I actually got a Formula E notebook over Christmas. I'm holding the wrong way up. Uh, and that uh, I'm using for my uh, Cup Scout group to sort of keep scores for all the games and who gets all the treats at the end of the year or whatever. But <laughs> so that's all good fun. And uh, yeah, I was trackside in London. Uh, I actually saw, remember when uh, JQ went up on two wheels? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely JQ's in the McLaren. I think it was one of, the, I forget who he collided with. It was on, I think it was Roberto Mary in the Mahindra, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah, exactly. I got a spot on because I was there, of course. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that happened right in front of me. So I actually got some great footage of, of the very afternoon. I just kind across and then this car going on its side which is quite a surreal sight in that Saturday race but yeah it was great to see be there just under the podium when uh, Jake Dennis was uh, around as, as champion but uh, of course what we're here to talk about is uh, him trying to defend that championship from what looks like a very very strong Jaguar team so uh, I can't wait till Mexico I think it's going to be brilliant we can't wait either it's nice to have you back in the commentary box as well you weren't in many last year so hopefully with your equipment I in, sorted uh, I was otherwise engaged yes in, in very much so I can't wait on, like real carding and stuff hello <laughs> <laughs> Adam is here as well uh, Adam uh, we call you our Danica Patrick uh, not because you make any controversial comments or aren't welcomed by the Sky team but it's because we drag you out for every race over stateside and Mexico and Brazil and Hungary occasionally as well so happy to have you 
you're back with us this year in a bigger capacity. You're with us across all IndyCar races. I'm very much looking forward to that. You're across for some NASCAR, some Formula One and some Formula E as you're here for Mexico, Sao Paulo and the Portland races. So first of all, how are you? How was your Christmas? And are you looking forward to this motorsport season? Hi, Josh, Ed, and only it's re it's an honor to be with you guys once again here in 2024, and I'm looking forward to covering as many motorsports series with you guys as I can this year. And personally, I'm looking forward to covering the Rolex 24 at Daytona at the end of January. It's a race that a lot of people start their years off, and you have so many drivers come in from all different all different series of motorsports nascar indycar formula one we even seen shane van gisbergen formerly of the v8 supercar series and now he's over here in the states competing in nascar so i can't wait and i'm looking forward to seeing those brand new gen 3 formula e cars hit the track this weekend south of the border in mexico city so i'm gonna be a pretty Pretty busy on here this year, and I'm looking forward to it. Great to have you. Great fun as well. Omi's going to be with us. Now, he'll be with me in the commentary box for the Porsche Mobile One Super Cup, but he's also going to be reserving for some practice and qualifying sessions across everything else. And mainly, he's going to be in the pit lane this year for us as well. Omi, welcome back. Second season, first full season, because, well, technically, you only missed one race. I don't. I, you've been here all year and you've done so much. How was your Christmas? I know we've been talking. We've all been missing it and uh, complaining about people stealing our ideas across the winter uh but are you looking forward to yet another full year yeah really really looking forward to it uh great to be back and uh yeah i only missed one last year only bahrain i didn't uh do and then i was there at jeddah uh, as well so uh yeah uh i think we can and second season but uh yeah great to be back uh christmas was great uh was great to really have a break from just commentary in general because even when motorsports isn't going on you have psgl you have wr you have all of this still going on like um for example psgl obviously has just uh, continued as well so uh, it was great to have a break from doing any sort of commentary so uh, really enjoyed it but great to get uh, back into it now Absolutely. Uh, we all last talked in Abu Dhabi that, when we ran up the season. That was the last time we were on air. And a lot's happened since then, mainly starting with Formula E. We'll cover all, every other series, but it's our first show, it's our first race week, and it's Formula E in Mexico. So let's start off with the calendar for Formula E. Uh, it all kicks off in Mexico City of the Autodroma Hermanos Rodriguez. That's on the 13th of January. Practice starts on the 12th, so make sure you join us for that as well on JB Motorsports. It'll be on YouTube and on Twitch this year. Uh, then we go to a doubleheader in Diria. That's the 26th and 27th of January. Ed won't be with us for that as well, as quite rightly he takes that race off as a protest for racing uh, in Saudi Arabia as a media sports washing. I agree. If I couldn't do it, I wish uh, we didn't need to. It's uh, not the greatest track record they've got over there. Uh, then Ed will be back with us for Sao Paulo. That will be on the 16th of March. Uh, first of a race at 
Tokyo in Japan on the 30th of March. Then it's a doubleheader in Italy, not at Rome. The track has been deemed too dangerous. We'll be at Mazzano World Circuit, Marco Simoncelli on the 13th and 14th of April. Uh, back to a single header, the Monaco E-Prix on the 27th of April. Doubleheaders then for the rest of the year, Berlin on the 11th and 12th of May. Shanghai at the Shanghai International Circuit on a modified layout, 25th and 26th of May, the same weekend as Monaco and the Indy 500. Boy, are we going to be busy. Uh, Adam will be back with us. Doubleheader in Portland uh, as well, 29th and 30th of June. And Ed will be trackside at London, along with Jess, actually, uh, for the 20th and 21st of July, 2024. 16 races, but Ed, starting with you, that will not include the uh, Hyderabad E-Prix as it has been cancelled uh, following a change of government. And just six weeks before, it seems a bit of deja vu for Formula E to have events cancelled uh, just in the closing weeks. It's not really a good look for them, is it? No, but I think it's inevitably going to be a problem, with, especially with the street circuits in particular. In, in the case of Hyderabad, what happened was, for, well, from my understanding at least, and I'm sorry if I have to go soon because there's a pasty in the oven waiting for me, <laughs> by the way, which is, I, I didn't have, there was no segue for that uh, to get that in there. But anyway, so Indian government, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, from what I gather, uh, there was uh, an election. Uh, the pro uh, Formula party that bought the race uh, to the region has been kicked out in favour of uh, a different party that is very anti-Formula race in Hyderabad. This is a bit of a simplification, but they were protesting it before it happened last year, essentially. Uh, and, and I don't think it's all on this new party that's come in, because I think uh, one of the things we saw at Hyderabad last year was that right before, I think it was either right before qualifying or right before the race, mm. the marshals for some odd reason decided to open up the track because there were commuters who hadn't been informed that the race was happening and they were trying to get to work literally going through the circuits that was extremely chaotic luckily race direction scott elkins and company handled that extremely well and was no disaster as a result of that but uh, in terms of uh, yeah it's sort of giving ammo to this new party of oh this race was run really badly which uh, you, you didn't really need to give them i think and uh, uh they were like i said they already had the knives out and uh, uh, I, I think it's a bit of a shame because it's, we've lost this race basically because of uh, for political reasons. A lot of people say to me, Edward, you know, uh, well, actually, don't call me Edward. Just call me Ed, like you do, Josh. But uh, <laughs> they say, oh, you know, we shouldn't be getting politics involved in our in our motorsport and our Formula E. We should, uh, you know, let, let them in these two separate halves. But I actually completely disagree. I think we should start our own Formula E political party in the regions where we want to hold these races, and that way uh, we can win power. We might be a little lax on some of these other issues like social <laughs> mobility and housing and important things like that. But at least we'll get the race to run each year. Uh, and we can get people to vote for it. It's a single-issue party, as they say. And we could even have Alejandro Gag, who used to be in politics himself. He's not doing much these days. That's like extreme I reckon. I reckon it's not a... a t- people were saying, oh, oh this, this, is a, this is a really outlandish idea. And I said, well, it's, it's not as outlandish as the race actually happening, because it looks certain to be cancelled once this election happened. And this new government came in, like, like I said, had, had the knives out right from day one, basically, of the project being announced. So, yeah, it, it's a shame. There's a lot of grandstanding going on. And, uh, but it's the fans that lose out in the end and I, and I think that's a bit sad we still got 16 races a lot of them double headers and uh, like the Tokyo our new venue we're very excited about going back to Shanghai I think it is a positive even though if, if I'm getting completely honest about human rights record Shanghai is not the greatest either but uh, we gotta we got to take the rough of this move sometime I guess to, <laughs> to, to, to run this answer short I guess 
And also, oh, someone's sent a message in the Discord. That's going to be annoying. Uh, also, just throwing it back to you, Adam, as well. It's actually another round that's been taken off the calendar in Jakarta due to a presidential election quite similar to Hyderabad, where the government's changed and they've now said, OK, we don't want to race here. With Jakarta dropping off, it's actually benefited Formula E in the United States because it's added another round at Portland. Now, you were in the commentary box with me last year. It was absolutely fantastic, that race. And do you reckon that another a second race at Portland will be better? Yes, I sure do. And that was one of the highlights for me here at JB Motorsports last year. Uh, when I called that Formula e-race with you josh um that was using three wide or four wide at talladega or nascar gets there it's crazy you didn't see it i mean seven wide on the front stretch so well international raceway you gotta be kidding and i think this year with the with the not being a double hitter i think that i think all the tickets will sell out i think i think you're gonna have fans coming from all over the United States, even live from Canada, and and I think it's gonna that double hitter weekend. I think it's gonna be a highlight the Formula E calendar this year. Um, and so um, it's gonna be two races you do not want to miss. Yeah, so another thing coming in this year as well is TNT Sports. Uh, just an expansion, really, of the Warner Brothers Discovery lot because in the UK, for many a year, Eurosport has covered uh, the championship of Formula E. This year, though, TNT Sports have sort of regained the rights. They were formerly BT Sport. They ran it back in season four and five, and to me, were one of the best broadcasters uh, Formula E ever had. They aired every practice, every qualifying and every race live across their network of channels and uh, they never had any ad breaks in the middle of the race unlike Eurosport and Channel 5 and ITV and Days Gone By and uh, Channel 4 that one time so it's going to be quite interesting but the one negative with TNT Sports in the UK having the exclusive control is that for the first time it's gone behind a paywall now if you're unfamiliar what it is uh, free to air television in the UK is that of uh, ITV, BBC Channel 4, Channel 5 they're the terrestrial television networks that have carried the series since its launch in 2014 bouncing literally between every single one of them now TNT having exclusive control uh, is very worrying because no longer is it going to be accessible to the casual fan. And this is where Obi comes into it as he only started watching Formula E casually back in 2022. So, Omi, I know last year you watched them mainly on the channel, but uh, you still came across Formula E. What's your opinion on now, as a casual fan, losing access to what was last year the closest form of racing we saw? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And... Um I have to say, with the amount of uh, action we saw in the race, it's very disappointing because there's not a lot of motorsports that we get to see uh, on uh, free-to-air, and this is another one now uh, put behind uh, a paywall uh, as well. And yeah, it is bit it is a bit disappointing because I don't really want to watch every single race, so I, I wouldn't really re I wouldn't really pay for another uh, subscription as well, especially when I'm not really into MotoGP. Uh, at the same time, I just really like to watch it from time to time. So. Uh, it, it does kind of... Uh, so usually the casual fan wouldn't really get it. Um, so um, it does kind of hurt it with that uh, factor because I don't think... Uh 
and, and also I wouldn't even be able to watch every single race so I wouldn't really want to get it uh, as well so it, it does kind of hurt uh, the casual fans with that uh, people just wanted to watch and it was one of those series which you could just watch from time to time but now uh, a lot of people won't be able to uh, watch it as, uh, if you're not really deeply into it and if you're not like a Formula E nerd then you're not really going to be able to watch it uh, now and Ed as well we've literally as I said bounced across every network it started on ITV then it went to Channel 5 then it went to BBC then it went to Channel 4 and now it's been kicked back to the Eurosport TNT uh, sports area of discovery is it stability is it a good thing or is it a bad thing you've been watching the same amount of time as we all have here what's your take on this well, I've, I think I probably lean a bit more towards Omi's view that it's probably not good for getting new fans in. Uh, but I can sort of understand why this happened, because we had... If you think back, if I go back to each of those channels individually, how they treated Formula E, it was not great. Uh, sorry to put it mildly. Like, ITV uh, barely ever had it on the main channel, apart from maybe the London races we had at Battersea in those first two seasons. Channel 5 had those ads, We had and, and also didn't have a lot of budget because it's channel five it's the, probably the least watched of the five terrestrial channels we had a, a guy in a broom cupboard if i remember correctly yeah. that was that was that was our <laughs> and you'd get maybe james collado or whoever channel five could get at short notice who had something to do vaguely with motorsport or formula e in and also i remember the race in paris one year where basically they hurriedly had to try there was a safety guy near the end so they tried to cut to the ads uh, well, the safety guy was out before it came uh, back into the pit lane uh, so that they didn't have to cut away from all the post-race stuff because Channel 5, well, the moment that went across the line, right, ad break. Mm. <laughs> uh, so that's Channel 5. I think actually in the circumstances, considering what Channel 5 had to work, they actually did one of the better jobs of the UK terrestrial broadcasters. BBC, they just shunted it to iPlayer. They barely ever showed it on BBC2 if you're lucky. And again, they had a slightly better studio than Channel 5, as you'd expect for the BBC, but it still wasn't amazing. And then Channel 4, I actually thought Channel 4 did a very, very good job. And this is sort of, I think at the end of the Channel 5 era, that was when we got Vernon Kay as a presenter. Yeah. And I think Vernon did a very, very good job, uh, even though his background, he'd done a bit of rugby, I think, but he wasn't really a sports presenter. He'd done Big Brother and, you know, and now he does Radio 2, of course, the breakfast show, which is a big deal in the UK. Surprisingly, radio, in some, if for that, is bigger than Formula E, which in itself maybe is a bit of a statement about where Formula E is in the UK right now. But, but yeah, Vernon did a really, really good job and it was very good at taking the viewer along with you, even though he didn't know, like, say there'd be someone from Formula One, say, like Eric Boulier, who used to be the team principal of McLaren before, you know, when the Ron Dennis was sort of taking it back over again, would walk past and he wouldn't know who Eric Boulier was and everyone would say, why didn't you talk to Eric Boulier? And he's like, well, he's not a whole lot to do Formula E. And so, I, so he got criticised for things that I thought were a bit harsh and I think he really matured and it was sad to see him go. Jermaine Jenis, I've not seen too much of him. Sounds like he doesn't, again, doesn't know a whole lot and is sort of been quickly briefed by Formula E before mm. having to do interviews with the public, uh, which is kind of interesting. But uh, but yeah, I, I think I'll probably be okay. And everyone else we know from the Channel 4, because it's a Whisper Films are involved as well, which is a big thing. So it's not just Aurora, Aurora Media, uh, who've been doing it since the beginning. We've got Whisper Films properly involved as well, which is a sort of carryover from that Channel 4 era that just ended. But I think the, the real problem uh, we had on those free-to-air channels was that they were just, um, if they, in the same slot on the main channel, they wouldn't be showing anything particularly important. It would be like an old film or something, like yeah. Dirty Dancing yeah. or whatever, and it would get yeah. loads of views. And it's like, well, why are we showing Life Formula? We can, we can just show a rerun of Dirty Dancing or Top Gun or just any film from the 80s, essentially. But, yeah, uh, I, I, I found that was a, a bit of a shame. And I sort of... I, I, 
it's a sort of chicken and egg thing where the fans don't come because it's not shown in a place that's easy to access, but they don't want to show it at the broadcasters because, oh, well, the fans aren't coming, mm. so and you, they haven't come before, and it's sort of somebody's got to take the risk to change that, haven't they? So I don't think uh, this TNT Sport deal, and we, it was essentially BT Sports before, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah. we did have formerly on BT Sports, but now it's exclusively on BT Sports. It's a bit like the Formula One days when we had the Sky deal with, with uh, no, it was BBC at the time and later Channel 4 where they would share coverage in the UK. So we're sort of seeing the Formula equivalent of, of that shift over when it went fully just uh, everything apart from the British Grand Prix is live on, on Sky. Though I think there's a thing where they put the races on YouTube a week later in the UK, so you, so you still can watch them. But, um, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. And I, 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 I think I, from a I think you and me, Josh, will probably be okay with this. Yeah, but, um, but I think for the casual fan like Omi and, and others like him around the world, I think which is what formerly really needed to attract in. I think it's 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 not going to be because the people who tune in there for rugby and MotoGP, I don't think all of them are necessarily going to mm. check out Formula E. Sadly, I think I think it's a tough sell. Yep, and luckily, thanks to MotoGP and other series that are aired on TNT Sports, the commentary is not going to be affected from our side, but uh, not everybody's so lucky. Yeah, Tom Brooks, he's great. Yeah. I'm, funny story about Tom Brooks, when I did my first ever uh, R Factor 2 esports commentary, which was on uh, Formula E Road to Vegas, I think it was, I sent some of the early stuff that I did to Tom, and he gave me a lot of really, really good feedback, because he was doing Gran Turismo Sport uh, World Finals in Tokyo, I think, at the time. Yeah. And so I really, really, uh, I might not be in Tokyo, but I, I forget where Grand Tours and World Finals are held, to be honest, each year. But he really was gave me some really, really good advice, which he didn't need to do. So I've, I've always appreciated that from from Tom. And it's going to be weird, admittedly, because Jack Nichols did it for so long to have someone other than him. But I think we all kind of know why he's not there. And and, uh, and I don't want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Moving swiftly But yeah, my on. point is that Tom is great. And I'm sure whoever they put alongside him, be it Kurin Chandok, Daria Frankidi, I think they can do amazing. Yeah, well, it's a big team. Um, as you said, Jermaine uh, is hosting, Nikki Shields is still alongside, and then the commentary team has sort of shifted around because we've got uh, Tom Brooks leading the commentary, as you say, wonderful guy. Uh, Karun Chandok is going to be in the commentary box and running the FE digital Skypad device thingy that if we had, we wouldn't be able to use because we've got no data, we can't show footage. But uh, I still like to show. I just, I just want one. I want to have a go. Dario Frankiti is still going to be there as well. Uh, Rad is still going to be in the pit lane uh, alongside Saunders CB Alan McNish is going to be in the commentary box and then the newcomers as well this is quite interesting Andre Lotterer has uh, retired from racing the bridesmaid uh, and now he can come up into the commentary box uh, he's going to be as pundit and commentator for practice sessions uh, rally driver Kate Munnings she's coming in as well that's going to be absolutely fantastic to see here Billy Munger is joining in that's the whisper link because he works with Channel 4 and with it also comes comes Jamie Chadwick, the W Series three-time champion and now uh, Indy Lights driver as well with the DHL uh, sponsorship. But that th- I think it's changed here because DHL is gone. And of course, the big one um, is quite interesting because it's the first time, as you say, since Jack Nichols, uh, that two commentators will be... Well, the same commentator will be commentating on two different series because David Coulthard, who is the World Feed commentator for F1 TV and Channel 4, is also going to be in the commentary box uh, for Formula E. As his production company, well, presumably for the rounds that don't clash with F1, yeah. you mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, I think, five of the sixteen that don't clash. So that's the World Feed team, and Adam over there in the states. I think you get the better one because you have the legend Bob Varsha on a CBS, don't you? So uh, would love to work with 
Bob. We'll have to see if we can coax him away from CBS one of these days. Uh, but what's it like over there then with your coverage this year, uh, this season for Formula E? Um, I think it's going to be really good. Um, I, obviously, obviously, you mentioned the legendary voice motorsports for a long time. Bob Marsh is going to be back, um, and you know, you know, I'm gonna. It's sad that formerly is on a pay to wall, um, pay to wall, a paywall over there in the UK. Um, you know, I wish it were free to air. You know, so it's everyone can watch. But I like the uh, new Formula E team, um, especially with Andre Lauder. He's going to, obviously, you mentioned Josh, he's the former driver, so he's going to bring in a, a lot of knowledge for people who may not watch Formula E on a regular basis. And you're going to have Dario Franchitti and Karun Kanchuk, um, who are also going to be there. So I like the Formula E team over there in the UK, but... It's always a pleasure to listen to Bob Washa calling Formula E races over here in the United States. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a really great year for Formula E across the world. And, of course, no sign of of, uh, Oliver Askew or Nelson Piquet Jr. in the lineup this season, which is going to be very interesting. That's right for me. So, moving on to um, a bit of the future. Not exactly going to be this generation of Formula E cars in Season 10. Um, going into Generation 4, the Gen 4 car, it's been announced that Bridgestone are going to be the tyre suppliers going forward, replacing Hancock, who only took over uh, from Michelin at the end of last season. So, it's not really that big of a difference, but... One thing that I was quite interested that I've read in the Formula E Zone magazine here as well, uh, that Ed, you're a part of, uh, is this thing here that Bridgestone will replace Hancock as the sole tyre supplier to Formula E and produce two different types of tyre for the Gen 4 machines. The first time uh, that two different tyres have been used in Formula E. Now, it's the baseline rubber, which will be a grooved all-weather tyre that must uh, guarantee significant grip to ensure safety in light rain. And then there's a second Typhoon rubber, which would be mandatory in heavy rain. Now, Omi was in the comments box with me in London. He might remember the the and Ed, you were there getting drenched. Uh, it was in the well, I wasn't yeah. getting soaked. I was inside. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the the amount of rain that we had that red flagged the race not once but twice uh, on the Sunday. Uh, that we needed some heavier wet tyres. But Ed, the question to you on this one: Formula E is supposed to be as equivalent to road-going machinery as possible. It seems the later we go in generations, the more it's trying to compete with Formula One, World Endurance, IndyCar in terms of all-out races. It feels to me that they're forgetting the road equivalent of it all as many people look to switch to hydrogen. So it feels like Formula E is already getting a bit stunted and now trying to fight for its survival a little bit. It's abandoning some of its core aspects. We're not racing on as many street circuits this year. In fact, I think quite a lot of them are on proper road course, uh, proper road courses, racetracks. The sole tyre gimmick has now gone. We're going to have two tyres. And also, the next generation of cars, which will be 2026-2027, uh, it's going to be up from 
350 kilowatts to 600 kilowatts of power to be used during a race and the cars are getting bigger increasing by 100 millimeters and they're going to be heavier at 76 kilograms heavier so it feels like we're losing our way a little bit to try and stay road relevant now we're just trying to feels like fight for a bit of survival uh, that's about six questions in one there. So, Sorry, uh, it's a big we'll, one. We'll try and them one by one. So first off, uh, the different compound attire for the typhoon conditions. Uh, I, I think there was... And uh, Michelin did this first, didn't they, before uh, we, Hankook came in, where they made a tyre. was like their road car tyre. It was sort of used a bit to develop those tyres, specifically for electric vehicles as well. If I remember correctly, it was like the Pilot Sport Zero or something like that it was called. And essentially the idea was um, they made this tyre and the idea was the teams would use it on each car throughout the season. And obviously this became really important when they had two cars back in the early years as well. But they still kept it through Gen 2 as well when they switched to this to single uh, throughout the whole race. And, uh, and the idea was that they had a tyre that could basically do the whole season um, without needing to be replaced, barring punctures or unlikely things like that. And uh, I, th- I think what we've seen in uh, New York Season 8 was the first example of it with the sort of final year of those Michelin tyres, but also we saw it with the Hankooks in uh, London. We saw it was that he- the really sudden heavy downpour that the tyres, uh, because they're made for all conditions, there's there's only so much they can do without making them horrendously slow in the dry, right? And I feel like they a wet tyre with the way the world is going with you know more climate change more erratic uh, events uh, weather events at the places we race at i think it's necessary actually to introduce a typhoon tire to prevent what we had in london where we had uh, one of the longest formula races where basically we waited for like nearly an hour and a half where nothing happened essentially and we were all trying to do i was literally building uh, this in in the grandstand literally oh, while wow. i was waiting <laughs> which is quite fun uh, I didn't get on the jumbo screen though sadly but <laughs> a lot of people left around me as well which I think is also not a good sign for people who played like 90 pounds to be in the grandstand yeah. that they're leaving uh, and not expecting anything to happen I, I, I mean I was game I was just hang out and see what happened but uh, <laughs> but anyway um, uh, so I I think those two races are, are a case in point of exactly why we need this monsoon tyre. And Bridgestone, if people who remember Formula 1 in the early 2000s, they had a specific mm. monsoon tyre. Didn't see a lot of use, obviously, because uh, it didn't rain that heavily. Like Malaysia 2001 is, I think, the first instance that comes to mind of where the monsoon tyre was absolutely needed. But usually, they would just red flag the race anyway. And uh, I, I think Formula that we we're sort of we've got these circuits where because it's so tight and twisty sort of these monsoon tire becomes a necessity as well because you need to clear that much water much more quickly uh so that's the first question of, of the of the six answered yeah uh you had a question about hydrogen which uh, i don't see how formulae switching to hydrogen would stay to the original brief of formulae so i don't see how not switching to hydrogen is going away from its roots too much because it's an electric championship yeah. explicitly i know you're thinking of like extreme e where a gag is trying to get trying to switch to hydrogen he's yeah. trying to switch it to extreme h essentially which is a whole uh, separate thing i'm i'm not entirely convinced that hydrogen in terms of performance can really match the sort of instant torque of a electric battery but i, I mean we'll see well there's 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 a there's a, there's a variety of thought from car manufacturers on this there's some that are really all in on evs and others like maybe toyota for instance who i know are quite big on their hydrogen honda as well maybe the japanese manufacturers i guess um so that's two questions uh, i sort of dismissed the second one uh and the other one was about whether the cars are getting too quick for the street circuits. I think I'll, I'll just end on this. Um, in my opinion, uh, 
I've, and it's a sort of interesting thing with the calendar where we've sort of had this thing like you, like we were saying earlier lots of double headers lots and they're using it as well with the whole attack charge thing which I, we haven't even talked about yet because that's the big rule change that's next, from Nissan yeah. onward supposedly they're going to try and introduce that uh, I, I think it's just a matter of it's it's a mix of practicality reasons and uh of logistics and also you know, bizarre things happening like elections not going the way Formula E essentially in Hyderabad for instance or Jakarta is another one uh, I, I I think I think they would have more street circuits if they could and it's just not work, quite worked out the way they have and I think one of the compromises is taking uh, Hermanos Rodriguez in Mexico mm. or Shanghai International in, in Shanghai funnily enough <laughs> to, in China to uh, they've tried to shorten those F1 circuits to be uh, more fitted to the purposes of Formula E and adapt that, and I think that works quite, well. especially for Mexico because it's sort of quite close to the city centre. Shanghai will have to see how many turn up, I guess, but they haven't had a race there in so long, so there'll at least be a bit of a novelty factor to it. Um, I, 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 I think the format's got to work on the track, and I think that's the priority. It's not necessarily whether it's a street course or whether it's a, a road course. Obviously, having more a street circuit, it's easier to get the fans in as well because they don't have to go as far. But, uh, but, I, but but I think we're going to have to see. Uh, I, I think it, it depends what the Gen Four car is actually designed to race on, because I think we still got a car that's mainly designed around street circuits, going to places like Portland that don't necessarily suit it, but do produce those sort of crazy pack racing, of course, that we saw last year. And hopefully, we'll get when if the yeah, attack charge comes in, we'll see a different kind of racing. But yeah, that that that's about half your questions answered. <laughs> so I hope that's good enough. Mighty good enough, my friend. Mighty. Uh, let's talk then about pre-season. Really me today, <laughs> I know. Sorry, I'm just I'm just getting you warmed up. It's our pre-season testing before we get to Mexico. Immediately after this, yes, it's also about one. Yeah, that's that's all we've got time for. No, uh, we've got we've got a bit more time. Let's talk about pre-season then and what happened there because it was absolutely insane. And we will go into detail on every other series as well as their testing goes on. This is just our first show, so uh, it took place in Valencia on the circuit Ricardo Tormo. We know it too well because that's where we had an eight-hour test from MotoGP that got us over 3K subscribers on YouTube, got us monetized on Twitch, and also got us over 102,000 viewers and rising uh, on YouTube as well. So thank you very much, everybody, for that. Uh, yeah, that was on the 23rd to the 27th of October last year. Uh, Jaguar cars topped all three sevens uh, topped all three sessions I should say because I was then going to say Mitch Evans uh, that's very hard to say it's going to catch me out throughout the season he was fastest in the first two Nick Cassidy uh, fastest in the final session uh, the simulation race was one I use one in uh, quotation marks for those of you listening in on uh, Spotify and Apple TV and music and everywhere wherever we are nowadays US or any even the Envisions uh, Robin Frines took the victory there as well but the the biggest thing uh, was the test was heavily disrupted as there was a fire in the garage supplier uh, Williams Advanced Engineering a battery caught fire and because it's a lithium iron battery uh, they burn a lot you can't put it out it, they burn constantly they have to be locked away and just let to burn out because the material in them can burn something it's got like a half-life so it can burn quite a long time for those of you who don't know what a half-life is it's basically constant because every time it burns itself out it'll reignite itself until there is literally nothing left uh, as well it's a very complicated scientific procedure so it had to be locked away but it was the car of Nick de Vries, who was returning our Formula E champion from season seven or season eight, one of the two. Um, he's returning 
and his car was too badly damaged so he missed out on the last testing day he only did one of the three sessions because we had two days of testing cancelled and it's all resulted in the attack charge uh, being cancelled until as you said Ed, earlier on Mizano uh, now the attack charge is a mandatory pit stop during the race which would see the cars be charged up and allowed to use an extra 4 kilowatts of power throughout the rest of the race it was supposed to be introduced in season 9 but there's been a lot of problems with the charging units a lot of problems transporting it and a lot of the tests didn't work so they've tried it again in testing didn't like it and now they've postponed it until Mizano but drivers are already saying that uh, it doesn't work it's not going to go down well it's going to ruin the racing and we don't need it so it's going to be fun Adam starting with you we remember the crazy race in Portland which was mainly because the drivers had to save energy because there was no attack charge so are we in favour of attack charge and running the risk of having things catch fire or are we more in favour of having the lift and coast races where nobody wants to lead them well, um, I think, you know, we don't need to see anything like we have happened during Formula E preseason testing. Um, once was enough, and I, um, I don't like the attack charge. I mean, I mean, what happened in Valencia, it could happen again, you know, during a race, and, and the race would have to be stopped, and um, it would, it, you know... I think it's ruining Formula E. Um, I like what we saw last year, especially in Portland, and um, I'm with the drivers. I don't think this attack charge is going to be good, and um, I think they should just get rid of it completely. Yeah, Ed, it's causing nothing but problems at the moment, isn't it? And We had uh, members of the Formula E zone team trackside at testing as well. Pico and uh, Jack Giamano were there as well, and you were editing all the footage that was coming in as well. It was it was shocking as well. What's your take on this fire in the paddock and the batteries and all the attack charge mess as well? I didn't get any uh, footage of the, of the fire itself. It was just... Uh Jack uh, and two other journalists, uh, one of which is also from Formula Zone in a hotel somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, which will look nice. Uh, <laughs> I guess some people get to get all the perks, don't they? And other people get uh, get this. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no offense, Josh. Um, don't take it. Don't take I, I think it. I'm going to have to agree a little, disagree a little bit with what you said, Adam, because the reason the fire happened wasn't because of attack charge. It was because the mechanics were changing the battery. Mm. Uh, from one card and they're changing it out of the DS Penske that Robert Schwartzman was uh, testing in as a rookie and that I think some there was some human error mishandling we, we haven't got any more details than that but one of the mechanics essentially dropped the battery in a way that uh, caused it to catch a light essentially so it, yeah it was it was definitely a freak accident I, I, I've, I'm, I'm very doubtful we'll see it happen again I think uh, what people are more conscious of in terms of attack, attack charge is that Part of it is the drivers will have to go into so drivers go into the pit lane. Each team has got one attack charger, so the teammates can't pit at the same time, like you would see in say Formula One, potentially. Uh, so what happens is uh, two crew members are allowed to work on the car. The car gets charged for about thirty seconds or so, comes out with more energy and gets another two uh, or however many deployments it is uh, of, uh, of of attack mode, which of course is the you go off tra- well not yeah. off track but offline essentially into the. Uh, zone that's indicated beforehand and you get access to the higher 300 kilowatt power mode essentially uh so i i think a lot of people think uh, that a it's not going to look good on tv cars just standing still for 30 seconds in the pit lane i mean uh, 
Ivers changing cars in the pit lane also didn't look great in Gen 1, but I think we, we still got a decent product out of it. Uh, I think the other thing people worry about is cars that pit on different laps will end up getting lap downs on one another, but I think it's the sort of thing where if the graphic makes it clear who's pitted and who hasn't, then I don't think it'll be too difficult to follow, personally, because I think you'll, you know, oh, well, he's leading, but he hasn't pit yet, yeah. and uh, and the order will sort of work itself out, people trying to undercut and overcut one another, essentially. Uh, I, I think in terms of road relevance, there's a big, big argument to do it, because that's the way that a lot of the fast charging uh, industry we're seeing with a lot of these manufacturers that we see in Formula E are really pioneering, well not pioneering, they're making good use out of this technology because range anxiety is a big, big uh, concern I think of uh, of these OEMs, these manufacturers and of course the people who buy those cars as well. They really want to make sure that it's, it's the traditional sort of fossil fuel campaign ad against electric cars. Like what if you run out in the middle of the motorway before making it to a service station or whatever? What do you go to a service station? There's no charging point. Well, you're screwed then, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> so that, that, increasingly, that's, that seems less likely to happen. There's always at least one or two charging points, uh, even at the most remotest of uh, service stations. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think there's a bigger argument to go with it. Uh, and, I, and I think obviously it won't be every race I don't think it's a deal breaker going to around and think oh well we have to wait five races for it to happen and there's all there's also a lot of teams that are like oh well we don't like change the rules mid-season or whatever but you know there might be one or two manufacturers that went into this rule cycle designing their cars around attack charge and sort of fast charging so interesting to see uh, how that pays off I think it's more exci- I'm more excited about how it will play out rather than uh, worried about how it will affect the product because I think Formula E they don't do this on a whim this has all been trialed out in advance and I think uh, I think we've got to be more optimistic than a pessimistic which I feel like I'm the only one oddly enough uh, compared to usual I'm the only one that feels optimistic about tank charging this group it seems it, it's a nice benefit because I'm petrified about it as somebody else discord messages us uh, as well um <laughs> Just a question to you, Omi, then. As a casual fan, how confused were you by the past five minutes of conversation about batteries and attack charges as well? Do you feel that you'd understand it if you saw it happening during the race on television? Hmm, unsure. Well, um, I did see a lot on uh, Twitter uh, about it as well, or now known as X, but I don't care, uh, as well, uh, with that. Um, yeah. Uh, so during preseason testing, I saw quite a bit of it uh, on uh, Twitter as well. But yeah, I'm actually unsure about uh, that one. It would feel very weird, though, wouldn't it? It would, because I, 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 we haven't seen pit stops that much in Formula E before. As Ed said earlier on, it's all yeah. about we've had uh, driver changes over the years, but never had a a, a recharge of energy. Car changes, wasn't it? Well, they weren't yeah. changing drivers. That's, That's it. Long. So yeah, I meant I meant to say I was aiming to say car change, but I'm reading about the the Rolex 24 ad that I'm going to talk about next, and that's what we, <laughs> it was just got in my head about driver changes. Uh, just to quickly sum up then as well, um, at the end of preseason testing, though, when everyone did manage to get a lap time in, it was very promising because they were all separated by a second. So that is going to be really close. And I want to sort of wrap up the whole Formula E thing now as we look ahead to Mexico. Uh, Just to give you the times for that, by the way, it's all going to be on uh, JB Motorsports on Twitch and YouTube. On Twitch, our handle is JB Motorsports Twitch. On YouTube, it's at JB Motorsports. And we'll be live for Practice 1. That's on Friday evening. And then on Saturday, you've got uh, Practice 2, Qualifying and the Race. The links to all of that 
is on the YouTube channel now, and the links are all in the descriptions if you're watching this on YouTube and Twitch. Now, uh, just quickly to you, Adam, on this one as well. I uh, want to ask you two questions. One, who do you think is going to be the Formula E World Champion this year? And two, who do you think is going to be winner in Mexico? Well, I think it's going to be... Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at Jaguar at um, one of the two Jaguar drivers and if I had to pick somebody I'm going to say Nick Cassidy wins the Formula E World Championship this year and when it comes to the season opener in Mexico City I'm going to go out I'm going to say Jake Dennis gets it done for Andretti Andretti Global um, he was strong last year, and we all know what happened. I think Jake Dennis gets it done south of the border at Auto Autodrome Hermanos Rodriguez on Saturday. And you're going to go Andretti Global. It's no longer Andretti Autosport. It's Andretti Global across the board now as well. Uh, Ed and Omi will ask the same questions to you. So, Omi, give you a bit of time to think about it. Uh, Ed, who's going to be Formula E World Champion and who is going to win in Mexico City? Uh, well, I'll stick in terms of world champion. I'll stick with the same answer I gave in the Grid Network show, which was uh, Robin Frines. Obviously, Envision customer teams they haven't done any practice with the fast, uh, the attack charging yet because all the manufacturers got to do that. Uh, but I think uh, Robin uh, has been itching to get back in a decent car. He'd left Envision at the end of season eight, and I think there was always a sense he could have got more out of it. And it's great to see him back, and they're world champions now as well since he left. Uh, he did get that pole in Berlin with Act. Uh, and he had that pretty chaotic season where he broke his hand as well so I think he's got a lot to really prove Robin Frines he's a massive massive fighter I think he's a much more mature driver as well in Formula E than when he started so uh, I think uh, I think it'd be interesting to see how he gets along with Buemi I suspect there might be a bit of friction between the Jaguar drivers because uh, if you remember in the last season in Rome particularly we saw Evans and Cassidy crash into each other <laughs> so I feel like the, the two Kiwi, it, it's two Kiwis in a team you, they can't both be the most relaxed one there's going to be some competition there and I think Robin Frines is going to be a, a head of the queue to sort of take advantage because he's also in a Jaguar powered car and it's probably the most efficient powertrain that's not going to change because the homologation the powertrains are the same uh, essentially hardware at least mm. going from season 9 to 10 a lot, some of them might have made software gains like the likes of uh, DS uh, and also Maserati as well and Nissan maybe potentially as well and Porsche too let's not forget about them started the season so strongly won last uh, last year in Mexico in terms of who's going to win I've not really thought about it Jake Dennis won last year of course and I know it's probably the, the obvious pick I'll go for someone more interesting uh, well not that Jake Dennis is it is interesting but in terms of uh, left field picks is what I mean um, I know exactly what uh, my friend Jack Jordan Marley is going to do. He's going to go for Maximilian Gunter because that's who he always goes for. Uh, I might go for Mitch Evans just to be a bit different from uh, Adam. Mitch Evans is going to win in uh, Mexico City because he's done it before. That's true. Yep, after uh, losing out of the line, didn't he, a couple of years ago? Uh, go on then, Amy. Who have you got? Oh, no, I just had to go to the, uh, the uh, Eagrid because... I don't actually have a clue on who's even racing. Yeah, this film fail on uh, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, hmm. now I'm just going to go for the most random driver. Okay. Go on right, then. Let me check, let me check what names I recognise here. Uh, okay. This could take a while. Let's go for Norman Nato. Why not? Ooh, Norman Nato. That's a, that's a decent choice. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's been quick, hasn't he, Norman Nato? Uh, surprisingly. Um, Norman, back Norman. There. Yeah, Andretti Formula of course. Norman, Norman. Uh, that Norman Nato might be a good... Uh, returning to the championship, of course, Norman Nato. Um, in terms of who's going to be world champion this year... I'm going to say Pascal Verlein in the Porsche. Ooh. That's my pick. I think he's going to in for a very good year. Had a great start last year, didn't he, uh, with that powertrain, and then just lost it mid-season. And in terms of who's going to win in Mexico City, I'm actually going to go for Sebastian Boemi to win in Mexico City. That's going to be uh, my one. That's the first time for everything. <laughs> yeah, history... True to that, Ed. History's not kind to him, is it? Yeah, not great, is it? Not in Mexico, no. (laughs) (laughs) Did he stop last year as well? We were bigging him up all year. Then Mark Preston said in the commentary something about how it's never been good for him. I know he he was. I think Jamie was driving with bits of his front wing missing last year. Yeah, that was (laughs) it. Uh, I miss Mark Preston. Mark, if you're listening, come back on. We missed you. Um, he's still around. He's, he's doing well. I know. He's, he's uh, head of Lola now, isn't he, as well, uh, last time I looked. And, uh, yeah, given him, uh, he, he, we had that talk about um, ways that Formula e could improve their coverage. And all of a sudden, there's an officially sponsored watch-along from a YouTuber. Yeah, that Mr. Yeah. Kureth guy. I wonder if him and Mark had a conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, Adam, let's yeah. not spread rumours on that. And to be honest, him. I think Adam is going to be a more than uh, worthy replacement, I think. Thank you. Yeah, and it's like, um, and uh, I believe uh, I believe Matt White told um, told um, Matt White sent something uh, um out to him about um, about our watch logs here at JB Motorsport. So, um, he did. I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be good. It was really, really funny uh, as well, which is uh, great. Just one bit of breaking news that uh, I've just had sent to me, actually, while we've been on air, is that Mahindra Racing announced on Instagram today that they'll be using an AI ambassador. So, literally, uh, it is an artificial intelligence ambassador uh, called Ava Beyond Reality. It's a female AI that has really been Really rolled off the tongue. Yeah, she's our go-to sustainable tech champ, navigating the cutting edge of innovation to create positive change. Uh, plus so what I'm hearing a- here is they didn't want to hire uh, a spokesperson or a model, so they yeah. just made one up. Yeah, well, to be fair, Mahindra Racing, the only person that would would sort of be an ambassador to them would have to be AI, considering the amount of people that that organisation has really annoyed over the past 14 years or so. So, um, moving forward, that's wrapped up our Formula E uh, preview going into it, but there's a couple of things we need to talk about that's happened. Uh, Number one is that AJ Foyt today has announced in IndyCar that Santino Ferrugi will be driving the number 14 car. Uh, Adam, interesting tactic. He was controversial over here in Europe, but uh, annoyingly, he's actually been quite good over there in IndyCar. Um, He seems to have uh, proved Leopard can change his spots. And I think it's uh, quite a good signing to have him back in. He was quite uh, an impressive racer a couple of seasons ago. Yes, he was. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Santino Fruity does this year. Um, I think the NTT Dakar Series lineup is it, it is going to be a really competitive year. You have so many drivers returning. Um, Alex Plow's got a huge target on his back after winning the championship last year. And you know T and I've got to give a call to Team Penske. Joseph Newgard won the Indy 500 last year. Scott McLaughlin came so close of winning on a few, on um, on oval a couple times, and I think Scott McLaughlin wins on an oval this year. Now that he's had a few years, 
in the in the NTT NTT car series season. Right. I think Scott McLaughlin brings home another another title to New Zealand, and he he will he, he will be your 2024 NTT IndyCar Series champion. Can't wait to get talking about all that. I want to say quickly our thoughts and prayers with the families of Gilles de Ferran as well, who passed away just before the uh, Christmas break. Uh, massive, massive shock. Big sympathies to everybody. That is wrapping up then for our first show. We'll be back next week with all the analysis from Mexico City. Uh, my thanks to Adam Emmerich, to Ed Hunter and to Omi as well. Uh, don't forget that Grid Network will have their preview show on. By the time this podcast is, it would have already gone out, so go watch the Grid Tonight show and the Formula E Zone also with all of their magazines and all their footage and videos from out the weekend will be out as well. Ed's going to be in the box for that. Join me and Adam and Ed on Friday and Saturday for all the action from ABBFA Formula E's Mexico City E-Prix and you can join us all back here next week. So there we go everyone. Well done. First JB Motorsports podcast in the books. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.